Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey, it's Scott, and welcome back to yet another episode of Spin Magazine's Lip Service. My next guest is a musician, a photographer, a philanthropist, a filmmaker. He's even had an iconic song written about him, Hey Jude, that even inspired other Beatles songs like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. He's also now in the NFT space. Truth is, I've been friendly with Julian now for some years. We have quite a few good mutual friends. We've been running around the streets of New York City in the same scenes for years, and we just ran into each other the other night. But the truth is, we never actually had a long, heartfelt conversation. Most of our encounters have been from afar. So I'm super excited to somewhat break bread with Julian and get into everything he has going on. He's got a new record coming out, the Beatles NFT collection, all his humanitarian work, his film work. There is a lot to get into. So stay tuned. Coming up in just a moment, my interview with Julian Lennon. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots' tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. More importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it. Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find the ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to yet another episode of Spin Magazine's Lip Service. I'm sitting with the one and only Julian Lennon, my buddy. Hi, Scott. Great to see you. <laughs> How are you? I'm really good. You know, it, alive, it, which alive. is good at this point in time. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We actually have hung out for like many years in the same circle in New York. We yeah. never really broke bread together. That's true. Yeah, um, yeah. So this is exciting because it's like our first time having like a real meaningful conversation. Yeah, yeah, this is very true. I mean, we, we over the years, we've, we've, we've kind of waved and yeah. said hello uh, as we've got a lot of mutual friends. But yeah, we never actually got around to, to hanging out there or here yeah. but uh you know that's changing and then we yeah that is changing we we ran into each other at this spot we were talking about the other night and we were like we should do this because yeah. we're both here and you're actually just in la for a couple of weeks we were just chatting about it but uh do you like being here by the way the traffic's a bitch i know that you're creative and and there's so many endeavors that i want to get into your new record and the nfts sure. and 
the humanitarian stuff, and there's so much to go over. I could probably do this for two hours, although we both have a schedule. Um, Apparently. But, <laughs> but, That's uh, if the world's still alive, uh, and that, still and, here after the interview. Oh, my God. And, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that, too. But yeah. uh, do you like L.A. in general? Because I know you live in Monaco, right? Yeah, I, I used to live here. That's, uh, I was here for like eight, ten years, 25 years ago, 25, 30 years ago, something yeah. like that. And so I loved it back here then, and I was part of the kind of expat brat pack, yeah, uh, rock and roll biking cr biker crew, you know, yeah. all on our Harleys with the likes of, you know, the cult guys, yeah, Billy, Ian Billy Duffy, yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, buddies, yeah. Billy Idol, all of those yeah, guys. Yeah. So um, that would then, be known as the Sunset Marquee crowd. Uh, well, well the, yeah, the whiskey, the whiskey, the, right, the, the whiskey, whiskey bar, bar right? crowd, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, as soon as the helmet law came in. Everybody sold their bikes, you yeah, know, and yeah. Um, and yeah, and I, I decided I got a little numb here back then, and so I thought it was time for a change. So I went back to Europe, and still there now. But and I didn't come here for about ten years. Uh, I, I I don't know why New York became quite a big thing for a while for me. So I had a lot of friends there, but then of course the kind of the industry almost died there pretty yeah. much, and everything moved out here again. And so I, I was away from here for about 10 years. And then a lot of the friends that I had way back when uh, who'd moved away also had moved back here as professional adults. You know? <laughs> right. um, and so, you know, I found myself uh, hanging out with a lot of great friends again. So funnily enough, I have probably more friends here than I do anywhere else in the world. You know, I mean, there's a scattering because of the kind of, you know, the work that we do we've yeah. got friends everywhere but um probably uh, and uh, and this is still one of my favorite places to 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 be anyway but i've got a lot you know i've got a lot of people uh, a lot of friends out here and for me this is the capital of the entertainment business for the working world whether you're whether it's you know uh films you're making documentaries or whether it's music or whether it's you know even photography which is the other stuff that yeah. i do and even you know, you can speak to speak to a lot of people about you know charity stuff here. So yeah. it's it's a it's a great uh, vortex, Definitely. so to speak. You know, where 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 you can meet and greet and get get some jobs done. You know. Yeah, there used to be a period of time, definitely during the late '80s, where if you wanted to play music, you had to be in LA. Yeah. And now it's obviously it's Nashville. It's here. I mean, not as much New York. I feel like a lot of bands, other than the Strokes and the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, and a lot of the bands that I'm friendly with. I mean. There's not a ton of musicians that I meet in New York. Our buddy no. Andrew Watt, who's yeah. a great mutual friend of ours, yeah. we we kind of came up together in New York. It's great to see him doing well. Yeah. Um, yeah but yeah, the, I feel like all the artists for many years were just based out of LA. So we'll get into everything. I, I can't help but thinking, and the day we're doing this is like February 24th. I lose track of the days with everything that's gone on. But sure. it is, uh, it's it's a, a hard time, obviously, with what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. And I can only, I was thinking about it on the way here. I know that you're a real spiritual guy mm. and, and obviously give peace a chance kept you know coming into my head and obviously a, yeah. a really a i mean really I, I posted song. that that today I you know. know just i i, I mean look, before going to bed last night just watching the news and shocked yeah uh, uh, uh what's going on at the moment and uh, even more so the you know waking up this morning and just yeah the, the continuation of the madness it, um, is, it is you know and everybody's up in arms not up in arms up in peace yeah in fact about you know the rest of the world just uh in shock yeah uh, 
And it's hard because I don't think we ever thought coming out of what we just came out of with the coronavirus that we'd be in this, right? And so yeah. you've done so much great in the world, so much good. I want to talk about all that, but obviously I want to get into your music, the new sure. record, the NFT sure. collection. So, But it is hard. It is hard to get into all this when, when you think about everything going on in the world today. But regardless, this show is a little bit, Julian, about your life and your history mm. and obviously all your new projects and everything you've done, which is so much and so vast, which is why I have 85 pages of notes in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> but take me back. If you I'm don't sorry. It's, it's all right. Listen, I yeah. love doing it. And, and there's so much I discovered about you that I didn't know, which we'll, we'll get into. Sure. But take me back to the beginning, if you don't mind. You grew up in Liverpool. Tell me about your childhood, what it was like, and the first time that you got the music bug. And when you really decided this is well, something you wanted to do at a, at a young age, okay, obviously. Well, I, I actually didn't really grow up in Liverpool. Oh, you did it? Okay. No, I was born in Liverpool. Born in Liverpool. Sorry. That's for sorry. Sure. sorry. But, um, you know, dad, when, when uh, my mother, Cynthia, and I, and dad, when we were all together, we were down in Surrey which is outside of London, about half an hour or so, uh, in a place called Weybridge. And um, and and once mum and dad split up, then we spent a good time in central London. And mum fell in love again. And my first stepfather was an Italian who I adored, who was like a big brother more than a stepfather to me. And... Uh, so I spent a lot of time with he he was Italian so we spent a lot of time in Italy too with his family so I grew up grew up around that kind of culture as well and incredible food of course um but uh, uh mum did spend um at least my sort of preteen and beginning teen years up in the north again in an area called the Wirral mm. and the Wirral was probably by train or car 20 minutes from Liverpool. So it was not that far out, but it was much more, you know, just uh, beachfront promenades and little villages and little towns and really quite beautiful. I mean, I went back there a couple of years ago, pre-COVID, and, and it was the same as it was way back then, wow. 30 years plus ago. Frozen in uh, time almost, yeah, right? Yeah, very much so, yeah. and very beautiful still. Mm. I mean, amazingly beautiful. Um, but I was, uh, yeah, I never really hung around in Liverpool as such. And then and then we moved to North Wales, and uh, I was on a farm in the in the middle of nowhere for a long time, and that was an interesting part of my life. But, but do uh, you have early memories of even at the age of three or four going to the set of the films your dad was making? Very, like very vague. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the one thing I really do remember, and I I don't know why it sticks uh, in my mind so much and sticks with me so much. I guess it's because it's probably the first piece of music that I ever recall which was going into the entrance of the doorway to the uh, rock and roll circus the mm. Stones rock and roll circus yeah. and it, there was a doorway in a hall, hallway and the, actually this light this kind of bluey purple was the light that I saw and all I heard was what a shade of pale mm. and uh, I don't know why that stuck with me and I remember certain moments with the this uh uh this guy that was dressed up as a clown um who scared terrified me i was gonna I mean, say still scary to this day the, anyone the, dressing as a clown this one in particular <laughs> but i it was i mean for three three year old to walk into this kind of landscape of rock and rollers and madness and you know everybody dressed up in some form or fashion yeah. uh m mostly uh hippie orientated really rock and roll and hippie but it, it, you know it's th it, that certainly stuck with me too 
Do you remember meeting the Stones at that point? Did you have any interactions with the van? Or you were too young to really remember? I, at the... I, Clapton, I remember. I, yeah. Brian, I remember. Uh, but that was, that was about it. It was all a little too much to take in, you know. Sure, but it still wasn't at, at three or four. You're not deciding what you want to do the rest of your life. Oh God, at that no. Point. no, no, no. So no, so, I, I that that sort of came about when I was um, again living in the Wirral, and and uh, I was probably about thirteen. To but Dad had had sent me a guitar when I was eleven years old, uh, an electric guitar, uh, which was part of the NFT collection, but. Yeah. Um, and was there a drum machine there too? I heard because I, I, you know, what kind of that must have been a very early drum machine. If it was like a maybe a Lin drum. No, or... I, I no, I, I remember the one drum machine that I got for dad from dad was the old uh, Rhythm seventy seven. Okay, uh, you know that had the bossa nova. Oh, yeah, and the, sure, sure. all of those <laughs> like a Casio type of thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was yeah. quite famous and quite particular in yeah. those days. I wish I wish I could remember what it, it was exactly, but. Yeah, that's the only other thing I had at that point in time, except for uh, probably one of the first Sony Walkmans, the silver metal one. Sure. And that I love to, to yeah, bits. I love that too. And so we had a, a teacher at school called, called Mr. Wynn, who was a rock and roller with a DA haircut. And in between lessons, or if you didn't have a lesson that particular moment, he would teach rock and roll songs on acoustic guitar in a back room behind the swimming pool of the school. <laughs> um, my best friend at that time, Justin Clayton, wh whom I met there, um, was, 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 was playing. And I, I thought, oh, this is great. And so I kind of joined in. We formed a band at some point. Uh, it may have been his band or, or somebody else's. I don't know. But we played at the end of the year. They used to do uh, talent uh, shows, talent show, theater, yeah. And uh, we we thought, why not give it a try? And you know, and I was very interested in theatre at that point. I really had my teeth stuck into theatre and art was my big thing. Because and you then, would have thought with your lineage, you would definitely would have gone into music, but it wasn't. You then, almost went into theatre, actually. I, I I very much so. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I was offered uh, a scholarship with the Shakespeare Theatre Company uh, uh, when I was young, and I was quite shocked by that. But but after getting up on stage and playing three or four rock and roll chords and <laughs> having a bunch of screaming girls out there, it was like, nah, that this is what I'm going to do. That's uh, why would anybody want to want to do something else? And what was it? A tough childhood growing up for you, or was it a fairly easy childhood? What was childhood like um, for you? My, I was okay. Yeah, it was everybody else's interpretation and uh, speculation, and uh, you know the 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 were the issues. I mean, uh, Mum and I lived a very simple, humble life. You know, she didn't take anything from Dad. There was nothing. The only money we had was uh, was uh, enough to put me through school and clothing. Mm -hmm. That was it. Literally, that was the deal. Um, but the problem I had was because we did move quite a few times was that, uh, I mean, there's one in particular, which is where I met Justin in the Wirral, where they used to have these morning assemblies, you know, and um, especially when you're going back to school for a new term in school. And when I turned up at this last one, I remember crying my eyes out saying, Mom, don't leave me. Um, 
And I go into the school and, you know, the the headmaster gets up and he starts saying, well, you know, we've got some new people here. This uh, We'd like to welcome so-and-so and so-and-so. And, so and, you know, please stand up when your name is called. And uh, we've also got John Lennon's son from the Beatles here. Uh, and I'm sitting there going, are you friggin' serious? Yeah. You've just done that to me. So now people can't get to know me as I am. I have to deal with this whole yeah. BS Um so that's that's been a problem. Yeah. That was a problem during all my uh, childhood growing up, and especially in North Wales, because I used to go to what was a, a private school, and there was a uh, uh, which was only had about three hundred people, and we were opposite another school which was uh, which had about three to five thousand people, the local kids, Welsh, big guys, yeah, and I used to live probably about a mile or two in town. So my objective was to stay alive, going to school every morning and getting home from school. And my challenge at that point was either to try and make people laugh, to try and, you know, because people just thought I was a rich of course, yeah. bugger. Well, it kind yeah. of set you up. It wasn't yeah, a great completely, way to, yeah, completely, yeah. completely. Yeah. And so, you know, literally, anyway, the schools, there was tension anyway, but, mm. you know, having... John Lennon as your father was no joyride, but believe you me. And so, you know, it was either trying to humor bullies that wanted to beat the crap out of you, mm. or uh, I became a great runner. <laughs> I, right. I ran very, very fast. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, I, I literally escaped by the skin of my teeth sometimes, wow. but, but I made it through without, without having to, you know, get into any violence and i was a, a real small guy at school yeah. i didn't i was a late bloomer so you know it was uh, it was a tough one it was a tough one so difficult times back then but when i was out of that you know nobody blinked an eye and yeah, i could yeah. you know it's even now it's kind of strange when when you know fans on on social media will say well, how can you go shopping or walk down the street i said because i can because <laughs> i because in in principle you know, I really do keep a low profile. Yeah, I'm yeah. not looking for yeah. attention. I don't Never. need it or yeah. want it. Yeah. For me, I, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm an, I'm an artist. I would actually say you're fairly shy because, like I said, we've hung out a bunch, but we never really yeah. talked that much. So in a way, yeah, I, I, I always I'm not, you're a little I'm shy. I'm not one of those that talks a lot unless I really know you and or has something to say. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I I I, just, I don't find there's anything to shoot my mouth off about. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm an observer. Yeah. Um, but once I get to know people, and if there's a common interest there, then sure, you can have great conversations. But yeah, uh, I mean, I, I you know, I always keep a low profile. I'm not looking to be seen. You know, obviously, as an artist, you want your work to be seen yeah. and heard, whether that's again documentaries, photography, or or music. But um, I don't want to do any more than I have to just to get it noticed, so so that people can take it from there you know uh, i'm not here to flog a dead horse so to speak <laughs> and and I, I i just don't want to do that that life is too short to be uh staying on the same roundabout i want to keep moving and progress with everything that i'm doing on every level so i agree um you know there's no time to sit around and just go hey look at me it's not my interest <laughs> yeah. I, I, i'm just not there you know well said well let's talk about the music for a minute a little bit so obviously besides the obvious steely dan keith jarrett <laughs> a ton of influences growing up right so mm -hmm. what were the records that kind of blew your mind at that point and kind of set you off on your path julian because so much music around you you grew up in such a musical family obviously so 
what was it that you decided besides theater, which obviously you took the turn yeah. to go into music and you said the screaming fans and whatnot, yeah, yeah. but who were the acts that were really, you know, and the records that were really resonating with you at that point? Well, I mean, you did mention a few right there, Steely Dan, yeah. Doobie Brothers. Yeah. Um, but probably outside of that, uh, I mean, I was a big fan of ACDC. Probably, oh. I think that with, I, w I would never have known, by the way, with Bon Scott. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. And I rock out a few times. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, you know, yeah. it's never really been yeah. part of my the overall, yeah, excuse yeah. me, the overall makeup. But that's a record um, I want to hear, by the way. I want to hear uh, you. You know, well, there's a, you know, there's a couple of songs here and there on a few albums yeah, here yeah. and there that do that. But I've never, you know, again, uh, I, I, I can't just do one thing. I have to. For me, I want to be as interesting and melodic and and uh, as curious with 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 the writing as possible. I mean, half of the chord changes, you know, this is why I love Keith Jarrett and Steely Dan yeah. because those melodies, those chord changes, those arrangements, those get me going. Yeah, the, the, those get the goosebumps going. But that doesn't mean that I don't love pure full-on rock and roll sure. and, you know the first gig i saw was acdc with bon scott amazing you know and as a 16 year old you 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 uh bon uh you know you had uh bon walking around uh with uh angus uh, angus on, yeah, on yeah. his shoulders and you know you're trying to touch him you know i was <laughs> a big fan um rush was another major yeah. band um led zeppelin of yeah, course yeah. you know uh used to listen to those guys Pretty much every day. Um, uh, that was probably the heart and soul of stuff back then. Um, I can't think outside of that pretty much that I was listening to much else. Uh, I think the first single I ever bought was was uh, Whoa, Black Betty Obama. Oh, yeah. I don't remember sure, the name sure. of the band. But... Yeah, either do I, but we'll, we'll definitely Google <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. talk to me about your relationship too with the music industry, because obviously coming from where you came from, yeah. you know, do you struggle with some of the relationships in the music yeah, industry? Absolutely. And, yeah. I, can't stand, I can't stand most business yeah. of any art, uh, artistic endeavor. Um, I mean, it's a little, fortunately, it's a little different these days, and I've managed to meet some incredible people. Uh, that are now beginning to help me along and support me in the way that I felt, uh, I, you know, that I wished I'd had 30 years ago. Yeah. But that, you know, for whatever reason, it wasn't the right time. And uh, maybe there's a greater appreciation these days uh, for the people that I do have around me. And, and uh, you know, being able to do the work I do in the time that, uh, you know, it naturally takes to to do the work. Uh, you know, my, my, my dislike, and I won't say hatred, but I, but uh, my uh, compl complete dislike was back in the day was, you know, the first album was a big deal. Yeah, I mean, Volant was a big deal. You were twenty one, I think, at the time. Yeah, twenty twenty one, and um, you, you know, the first world tour that was bloody intense. Yeah, you know, and. You know, it was the it was back in the day, and we were I was successful, and you know, screaming. You you would be like the not dissimilar to the Beatles and other high profile bands, where you were being ripped ripped to shreds yeah. if you came out the back door of a gig. <laughs> you know, I mean, literally. Um, so that was terrifying to some degree for me. I, I it was exciting as as a as a twenty twenty something, but but also terrifying. But the what really turned all of that on its head was, I think, you know, the greed of the labels back then. Because, mm. it, in my recollection at least, we came off the first world tour, and it was we finished, I think, up here in LA. And I went, 
okay, we can breathe a little bit. And literally we were told then and there that we were going to be in the studio again in two weeks' time. We better have our, you know, crap together. Uh, and I said, listen, I, you know, I've got a few sketchy <laughs> ideas of other songs, but I don't have anything else. You know, let give us some time off so I can actually reflect on what's happened to me, write some material, and then we, you know. But they wanted a push, and it was pushed, and we uh, found ourselves selves at Compass Point uh, in Nassau, uh, which was a little dangerous yeah. place to go to and be serious about <laughs> writing another album. Um so to me, the second, the second album was very much a bunch of roughly rushed. sketched, yeah. over. Yeah. I mean, seriously rushed um, uh, demo ideas. You know. Um, but that being said, back then people were putting out two records a year in the seventies, eighties. It's different than now. Now people take very years much to do so yeah. if you've got the material behind yeah. you. But yeah. I only had enough for the first album, yeah. and that was. You know, and they knew that. They knew the whole, uh, yet they still pushed it. And, and for me, that killed my career right there, you know, in many, many respects, yeah. that album. And well, they always say, what, you have your whole life to write your first record yeah. and three months to write your second Absolutely record. Absolutely true. Yeah. And, and you know, because of my, my life and living with mum and not being in dad's world or scene at all, um, you know, I was pretty ignorant. Mm. You know, I didn't really know, know the inner workings and understand the business in any way, shape, or form. That's why I, I got screwed on contracts. I've, I still am screwed at the moment. I will never uh, uh, own some of my earlier material, mm. which I find is disgusting how people abuse and use younger people, ignorant people in the, in the arts uh, and in other businesses. But, you know, hopefully uh, these days there's... There's going to be ways, or we're looking at ways to be able to turn that around because, yeah. I, you know, it's just not right uh, from a moral standpoint to use and abuse these, these people. Yeah, know? I agree. Uh, and they need better protection, you know. Uh, and I thought I had that kind of protection with with decent lawyers around me, mm. and I still got screwed. Yeah. How the hell did that happen? So, well, sometimes when you're artistic, right, it's like the business <laughs> well, you, side is not. Yeah, uh, you trust. Well, yeah, you trust, you trust people. people. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. that being said, you did get nominated for a Grammy for that first yeah. record, which was amazing. And so, well, thank you. Yeah, thank of course. You. And and you know, and you go on to do a string of records. You work with people like Steven Tyler, one of my favorite other yeah. human beings in the world. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, and that that was definitely a, a highlight of the career, I would imagine, right? Yeah, no, uh, I I'd, I'd been a fan of 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 Stevenson Aerosmith for for years. I remember, I think I was about eleven, and uh, Dad had an assistant that we drove from New York to Palm Beach. Dad and Yoko had a house down there, and so we drove down, and. Um, it was in this kind of olive green Mercedes estate, which I love too. <laughs> and I, I just remember hearing Aerosmith uh, dream on for the first time on that trip. And from that moment, I, I was a major, oh, major yeah. fan. So actually bumping into uh, uh, Stephen was, was beyond a pleasure. And, you know. Uh, it's funny. He, I saw another connection. We have. I saw a picture of you and Stephen and I believe Marty Fredrickson. Uh, that's right. Writing together. For who the... I was Marty's drummer. For, Are you serious? For many years. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, All right. And I, I didn't even know that you had worked with him. So that's great. Yeah. And Marty always seems to come up in these conversations because one of the greatest songwriters and producer and Aerosmith's producer for many years. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. you know, Stephen, we said, let's write, let's do something get together while well, we've got a little time. And we were at the Sunset Marquee. Yeah. You know, good old Sunset Marquee, rock and roll hotel. Yeah. And um, 
you know, we bumped into each other. We said, well, let's do something. And and uh, he said, uh, on that morning, he said, uh, before meeting up, he said, oh, yeah, I've got this uh, friend I'm bringing along. And I went, hey, that's not fair. <laughs> so that's not fair. So I actually brought a dear friend uh, of mine along uh, who I, called Mark Spiro, who I'd done Saltwater with and a number of other tracks uh, over the last few albums. We, you know, we got on very well and clicked and were great old mates. But... Um, so yeah, so I brought I brought Mark along, so I had some some backup because yeah. again I was quite <laughs> shy, you know, uh, I was a little overwhelmed with the situation. But we we managed to come up with this song "Sun Someday," which was a kind of modern, more hopeful version of Saltwater in many respects. Not so environmental, but but certainly touching on points that uh, that were important. You Definitely. Know? Well, talk to me about this new record. because you sort of dropped out of the music business for a while there in the 90s, and we'll get into all the humanitarian well, I just, work. I, I don't drop out. I just take... Well, a bit, you did a lot of things. There's a lot I, of... You yeah, did a lot of things, I did right? some the other... I did some and, other yeah. stuff, yeah. But I never considered... You know, this is... Uh, I find this interesting when people say, well, you know, it's a comeback. I never went away. I'm just... Did some you have a stuff. lot of interests. There's a yeah, lot of interests there. Well, so I, I but, can relate because I have no. a million interests. So I, and and I want to get into all those other projects. There are yeah. so many projects, but because you took some time off, right? Mm. And now you're back with this new record. Well, um, again, let me clarify. I was always doing stuff, of course, even yeah. music, but it was just not not in the public eye. Yeah. So yeah. There, there was always writing and recording and coming up with ideas or or how this actual project album pro i mean i thought it was done with the last album i thought that was the last thing i'd ever do um uh, it's a whole package you know uh i'd been doing you know I, i'd been an independent for 20 years didn't like labels anymore didn't trust managers anymore um and so uh you know i was doing other things but i was always tinkering with music on the side and then and then i realized that you know i had a lot lot of songs uh that that I recorded, you know, 20 years, 30 years ago, that uh, even when I was living in LA at the little studio at the house here, and um, and uh, songs that didn't quite sit with the other albums, you know, mm -hmm. uh, just couldn't find their Stylistically, footing. yeah. Yeah, and so I thought, well, you know, I'd like to see what I can do with that stuff. So, again, my old mate Justin Clayton and I, uh, he'd taken an engineering course. I'd done, I knew a fair amount of engineering, but it was my own way. Um, uh, but we, I said, listen, why don't we dig through this stuff? You know, and the good thing is, I have the worst memory of anybody I know. I mean, literally, I don't know what I did it's yesterday. Not worse than mine. Oh, it is. I promise you. Um, this is why I love photography, by the way, because I uh, and and Instagram to a certain degree because I know what I did this week. Yeah. I mean, it's it's probably because I get so bid, busy, you know, that I, I honestly forget what I've done this week. But I'm like you. I'm like looking at my Instagram stories to remind myself what I did yesterday. Yeah, correct. <laughs> what did I, I do yesterday? I, okay, I know. Right. I know. It's, it's a problem. Yeah. It's a real problem. But it thankful. Is. That yeah. that exists. Yeah. Um, so we, I, I, you know, Justin had a great memory. He remembers what guitar he was playing and what song and what instrument, what the, what amplifier. And what, I'm going. I not a clue. Don't even know what mic I was. Nothing. I don't know. So we, uh, you know, set out to. You know, it was a task to dig deep. Problem was, all of that earlier stuff was either on dats, cassettes, mm. and or. Um, God, what was it called? The um, it was a twelve-track 
uh, Alesis. Oh, yeah. Any, uh, Mini discs, maybe? No. No, no. It was actually tape. And okay. It was like, and there were two, a couple of versions. There was one that was like a VHS tape. Um, anyway, that was the quick way of, of doing stuff back then. And that was when sort of computers were really emerging and Apple were getting their the beginning of the the game together with you know uh, uh instant recording and it, it became fabulous but so these are literally sketches of songs that you had back from some 1982 borderline finished stuff interesting yeah, yeah. but but um uh, but a lot of this stuff because I, also i moved around a fair bit they i don't know how but they ended up in the basement of my ex business manager's uh office and we, when we parted way, ways, uh, the, the boxes were sent to me. Sorry, the boxes were sent to me. And uh, I had no idea what was in them. And uh, and when they arrived and when I finally looked at them, it was the old Fostex four-track sure. or eight-track, reel-to-reel of, you know, uh, Too Late for Goodbyes, of, you know, some of the early, earliest demos. But then, you know, more boxes of all the other stuff and um so um some were in pretty rough shape so but we managed to get them digitized cleaned up baked and digitized and and i was surprised at some of the quality of some of the stuff because there are two maybe three songs on this particular album uh that i can say were probably you know recorded in many respects over 30 and the last four years where they were in boxes we found them we cleaned Amazing. them up we were able to separate all the instruments and there are probably as i said two songs one specifically called not one night that i i remember singing in the guest little guest bedroom of the bungalow I was living on Mulholland. Amazing. Uh, and it's that actual vocal. And I got, cause I tried singing it again and I, I got very, very close, but there's something about, and I find for me, this is how I, I, I move forward with singing when I'm recording myself is generally, even though there's probably a few little issues here and there, for the most part, I sing it a song the first time with the most emotion and the most intent uh, behind it and the most passion behind it even if it's a bit glitchy or you know a bit dodgy here and there but i find those to be the best takes mm. and for the most part i'll stick with that even if there are issues i'll go that feels right to me that conveys how i feel you know the uh the lyrics and the melody and the, what the song represents so and by the way the way the way most bands used to record without a thousand overdubs right it was just pure and 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 that was what yeah you'd see i mean is what the, you get, uh, occasionally you'd you'd have a few words here and there that maybe were a little difficult to enunciate yeah you know so and not something you would necessarily sing all the time or every day so you know you'd, you'd have to do a few runs of uh, of a few words just to get it you know but lyrically so. it still resonated with you too I mean in fact probably the the one we're doing a double a release but there's um one of the, I mean the main power track is one of the ones from 30 years ago amazing called every little moment and it's very much about what's going on right now wow but the uh, you know the funny thing is I mean even with the song uh, like Salt Water um, and a few other humanitarian environmentally environmentally 
orientated. I'm not saying they're fully that, but there's the stories and intentions behind this. I've always had that interest at heart. You know, there's always, even if the song appears to be about love, it's about the relationship with the world mm. that we live in. It's about our relationship with ourselves. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I write about what I know about Uh uh, and or sometimes what I question, yeah. you know, so. And I want to talk about that. There's so much to go over. But the record, by the way, comes out when? Because by the time this is released, I think it'll be end of March, early April. So the record will be out around then? Yeah. The, well, I'm looking to release the, uh, well, we're going to release the first um, AA uh, on my birthday this okay. year. All right. And then I'm looking to release the vinyl of the album uh, on my mum's birthday. Amazing. Which is September. So I'm trying to keep it in the family. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, definitely. Let's be on the lookout for that for sure. But let's get into, by the way, the the NFT collection that you also just launched. Super fascinating. You narrate these amazing items that you bought, you know, from I don't know how many years it took you to accumulate all these. The guitars were gifted from dad. But yeah. uh, One of them was gifted to you when you were like 11, right? 11. Yeah, this is a Les Paul copy that uh, has a plaque on it. I think it was 73 or 75. I keep getting that mixed up memory again. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and he adorned it with he like stuck a mirror on it and a fake ruby, and it it was just this mad looking guitar. And I went, okay, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I mean, that's rock and roll. Um, so the idea behind the collection is yeah. you, you post these these. Well, actually, you already you already went live with the collection about a month or so ago, right? Well, the the thing was, I mean, I'd already uh, done a book yep. about the collection that I had. 10 years ago maybe um and initially the whole memorabilia thing started out with you know items that were really personal to me uh between dad and i you know letters and postcards and things and then you know eventually that grew and uh you know like the afghan coat uh you know i was around yeah the magical mystery tour so you know um uh, and there's, you know, there's quite a few pictures of us, uh, Dad and I, sitting together with that coat on the back of the chair. Yeah, and and, and that, then a few other things, and then I started building a collection. And then occasionally I'd see a few Beetle collection items, and I'd go, well, why not, you know, add that. Um, and we did actually, uh, White Feather Foundation, my foundation, we did work uh, with putting an exhibition together of the memorabilia, and it was in Liverpool for quite some time. That was great. Um, and then a few other places. Um, and I wanted to bring that over initially to America as well. We talked to museums and a few other places about it. But there were insurance problems and this, that and the other. So um, that it just never happened. And then with this, you know, the world's changing as much as it does. And in fact, it was Sean that started talking, Sean, my sure. brother, that started talking to me about you know, NFTs and that world and Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And I'm going, what? <laughs> I Not a clue. Um, and then I, I, you know, I started digging in a little more and a lot of my friends were starting to talk to, talk to me about it. And I went, well, this could be a, a different approach, a different art form. Uh, if I can, if I can consider doing this in a different way. So I thought I can't just have a picture. You know, the, I'd seen NFTs. Too. I said, it's got to be uh, animated or moving. Uh, there's got to be a story behind it. There's got to be more uh, more of a personal relationship with these or an explanation. And that's why I said, well, you know, let me narrate. We'll write something. I'll narrate it from my experience of why, who, what, when, where, and how with this. And uh, 
the again the most important thing for me was uh having the introduction of the white feather foundation being involved because everything i do a percentage you know good percent generous percentage goes to the white feather foundation to continue all the work that we do so that was key for me i said that's this will make it work for me you know because otherwise you know i thought i was potentially going to be crucified again it's like going into photography i didn't know what they were going to the media were going to think or otherwise um but um to my surprise you know people were very interested in this approach and this you know again it's a new art form it's about sharing something unique and different no i'm not gonna yeah a lot of people got up saying how could you possibly so i said i'm not selling the real i said those staying with me and my family (laughs) which uh you know i hope to have a family at some point i really do and certainly you know after the way i was treated i want whatever i have to go on to to my kids you know um well, it's I a great to... collection, by the way. It's amazing. Thank you. And, you know, and it was a big I, I wish it was a, there was a lot more, and maybe yeah. a, a, a certain point in time, um, I'll be able to afford to dig in and get deeper and get a bigger, bigger memorabilia collection for that, and and also potentially tour it again because you know exhibit it because I, for me, I hate the idea. I said, what's the point if this is going to be locked up in a vault? Definitely, there's, there's no logic to that to me. You know. Um, well, it's a great collection. I, I know we're limited on time here, and there's so much I want to go over. We'll have to do a part two, by the way, talking about your right. photography. I know I do humanitarian stuff, but, but you, you, you can jump in at any point <laughs> well, in time. Well, I was going to tell you, and I can't let you go without talking about mm. the movie, obviously. Get Back, one of the greatest movies of this past year, and that I've seen, period. I know that you and Sean and even Stella, I guess, are a little reluctant to go at first, but I think Peter Jackson did an amazing job. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the movie? Obviously, it, it must have brought back amazing memories when you saw well, it. Well, you're correct. Sean and I, you know, were nervous about going, and you know, because I'd, I'd been to a few events before that were Beatle orientated, uh, you know, and quite public, and I felt very uncomfortable because the majority of time people would just stare at me, looking, to, waiting to get a response or an emotion out of me, and I'm mm. like. That's I'm not here for that. No. Yeah. Um, so I was concerned about that, but Sean said he wanted to go. He felt obligated to a certain degree. Um, so I said, "Well, listen, then if you're going, I'll come. I'll come with you. Let's go together. I'll support you. We'll be there as a team." And um, you know, I think what was really clever about what Peter Jackson did. The thing was. He, in the version that we saw, it's different from what everybody else else saw. And I even wrote to him, I've written to him since about this, is that the version he did was 100 minutes long. And it was interjected by little comments um Almost little, comedic little, right like I heard it. yeah he would he would he would like every 15 20 minutes peter jackson would come up and he'd be sitting in the same chair and he'd have a, a different beatles guitar in a different position and his hair would be a little more disheveled <laughs> and he basically you know was lining you up for what you were about to see so you had a great and immediately uh, because there was humor brought in, uh, involved to such a serious kind of thing that everybody relaxed and it made everybody just enjoy what we were seeing so much more special and that uh, you know um and open to it so you know I, I i mean i posted something very simple uh 
straight after. I mean, I wanted people, you know, people still struggle with the idea of what the media have pushed in their faces about my relationship with Sean and Yoko, and it's all BS. Yeah. You know, I mean, he and I, I mean, he's very much one of my best friends in the world, if not the best. Yeah. And we get on like a house on fire. But, you know, so uh, uh, when we came out of that, you know, it, especially for me, and more so than Sean was because of the, 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 the history and, uh, you know, the fact that I, I'm older. But, um, you know, I walked away from that s stating that, you know, I, I it reminded me how much I loved Dad because of his humor, his uh, his wit, his 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 smarts, uh, his talent, um, all of the above and so much more. And, you know, I walked out of that. You know, because there's been a lot of bitterness in the way he treated me and the way he treated mum, especially. I really, you know, uh, but I've, you know, there's been forgiveness without question. But, but I walked away from that loving, falling in love with him again, mm. because, you know, that's my father up there, and you know, and he was amazing, truly, truly amazing. And I think the older I get, the more I'm impressed by what he actually achieved. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, yeah. Uh, just on a, on a very, very personal level. Definitely. Well, so much to get into. We have to do part two, by the way. We didn't even touch on the photography, which was a huge part of your life. So we'll, there'll be a part two to this. For okay, sure. yeah. That, that's, <laughs> I, I'm not in a rush. <laughs> but I definitely yeah. would love to. Anything else? We can, Obviously, the record's coming out. Yeah. So we, you know, that, be on the lookout for the record. And yeah. the single coming up in a month or so. Uh, yeah, in a, a, a early April. Yeah, and uh, and photography-wise, go to your site. Keep, is it, keep, oh. keep. Yeah, JulianLennon-Photography.com. A uh, lot of campaigns coming out this year with restoration hard, hardware and general public. Um, Documentary-wise, uh, the last one I exec produced was called Kiss the Ground yep. on Netflix, which had a great response. I thought it was a fab. It's all. It, it, it's actually created a platform where people are really trying to make the world a better place by regeneration uh and your foundation of earth of and the white feather foundation yeah absolutely so all of these things in some capacity you know are are, are, are linked one yeah. way or another especially by the white feather foundation but will there yeah. be a tour by the way will we see you on tour um, with this new record I did the best gig I ever did. The one that I loved the most was uh, in Hong Kong with the Hong Kong Philharmonic Orchestra, Amazing. and it was phenomenal. That's where, you know, again the goosebumps. Yeah. And so we've been talking about looking at uh, quite an immersive idea that if I'm going to go out on the road, you know, I've done the small gigs, I've done the bigger ones. Uh, uh, I've run around like this, and I don't want to do that anymore. Too many other interests in life. But if I'm going to do a tour then it has to mean something. There has to be purpose behind it. It's not just the music. Uh, the idea would be, you know, uh, performing arts theatres or outdoor uh, theatres with partial or full orchestra tied in with maybe, maybe the photography, but also with White Feather and local charities in every place that we play. Maybe your own uh, festival could be interesting. It sounds, uh, like, it sounds uh, like it could be some, uh, an undertaking uh, like that. Slow down there, Bucko. I've got <laughs> right. enough on my plate right now. But I don't but, want to put too much in Rebecca's hands. No, right? please don't put too much in her head. Um, but you know the 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 thought is there. I mean, I, I mean I've always loved playing live. I, you know, but I just uh, I wasn't one of those guys that just liked going out there and going in just circles. Just to be on the road. Sure. Yeah, just never my 
you know, I'd rather be doing something else. I'd rather be in in Ethiopia or Colombia shooting, you know, not shooting, but photographing, you know, indigenous tribes and trying to help their their life and their plight, et cetera, et cetera, which is, you know, part and parcel of what I do as well. Definitely. Well, this was an absolute pleasure. Julian Lennon. Thank you, my man. Yes, much more it. next time. I'm so. sorry. I'm sorry I rambled on so much. It's about. all good. It was a, it was a great interview. Thank you again. I appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. Thanks. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Well, that was fun. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, please tell a few friends about the show. I appreciate it. I am on Cameo, so check me out on Cameo. The show is free. It comes to you almost every Monday, more or less. I appreciate you tuning in, and make sure you check out all the exciting episodes we have coming up. Thanks again. Hey, how'd it do, y'all? I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcast